0: God is doing something big in the day and age we live, and actually he's doing something big here, and uh, we want to be connected with what God's doing, you know, Uh, and and there are benefits to being connected and uh, to what God is doing. Like we said during praise and worship, when we attend service, there is something to be said about what influences and what happens to you. Jesus left. He's not here right now. But what's interesting, the Bible said the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in the believer, and then He also manifests among us. So it's an interesting thought that the same Holy Spirit, not a different one, is working in our midst right now. Not, not a different Holy Spirit. I mean the exact same one that uh, anointed Jesus and caused Jesus to do miracles. In Acts 10.38 it said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Now remember, there's not two Holy Spirits. Right? There's only one Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit that Jesus was anointed with. Now think about this. Is the one who we were experiencing when we were praising. The exact same one. The same Holy Spirit. The Bible said it is the one who lives inside of the believer. Could you imagine that? The same exact Holy Spirit living in a believer. Now, some might say, well, he doesn't live in me, because I would know if he lives in me. But the fact of the matter is this, that he does live in us, and we just have to do things to cooperate with him so we might experience his moving. Amen? And so God wants to do things. And uh, I don't know about you, but I want to be right in the middle of what God is doing. Don't you? We, we read a verse, you know, in uh, Philippians 2.13. It's God who works in you, both to will. We've been reading this, right? Both to will, to want to, and to do of His good pleasure. Notice this. God works in the believer. And what is He doing in you? Working in you to will and to do of His good pleasure. So we need to recognize this about God working in the believer. If we would obey Him, we'll be right in the middle of what God is doing. Let me say that again. If I obey the Lord, if you obey the Lord, you will end up right in the middle of what God is doing. Years ago when I gave my life to the Lord, I said, Lord... You know, when I surrendered my life, I said, there's one thing I would like, as I was growing with him, whatever you're doing in the earth, I want to be around it. I want to be involved in it. Anybody ever thought that? I mean, it is the place of play. I mean, I don't want to be where the devil's working, Right? I don't want to be out doing... You know, Now, understand this. We have authority over him. But I want to be in the middle of what God is doing. Are you with me? And he said he works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure or to be involved in what he is doing. And so God, one of the things he has ordained is for us to be together and for him to work in our midst. I've thought about this. You know, Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time when he rose from the dead. 500 people at one time. I mean, a lot of people today are shocked when somebody says, or you could draw a crowd of a lot of people to say, hey, the Lord appeared to me in a vision. You can get on TV Maybe I should tell people more. He's appeared to me. But man. You get get a crowd of people. People will follow that. Oh my. The Lord appeared to them. But think about it. Five hundred. At one time. Got to be able to say. Hey. He appeared to me. He appeared to me. Oh. And he appeared to me. And a bunch of them could say, and they could get a group of them together and go, yeah, I was part of that thing, that group where he appeared to us. But you know what's fascinating to me? Though the Lord appeared to 500 at one time and then other groups of people, you know what's real interesting or I find extremely fascinating? Not all 500 were there when God poured out his spirit. Not, not all 500 uh, were in the right place at the right time when God began to do something that was super profound. And it couldn't be because they uh, didn't have an encounter with God because, you know, for a lot of people, they would think uh, the greatest, most profound experience a person could have would be, you know, to have a vision of Jesus. I mean, if you had a list of things, you know, uh, where you could just say, Hey, God, I would, I would like th- one of these. How many of you would go, Yeah, I'll take one of those Jesus appears to me things. You know, for just a few minutes, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take that. I mean, how, how many would, would think, you know, if that was on the list of a hundred things, it's going to probably be right up at the top for most people, wouldn't you? Think, I mean, man. Well, they had 500 people. And they you, you could say it like this. They had an extreme experience with the Lord. If I have an extreme experience with the Lord, don't you think that then that's kind of going to make everything work out the rest of my life? You know, I, I mean, but really... It's not the big extreme things that put us in the right place and keep us in the right place. It's doing a lot of the little things. Are you with me? It's doing the small things in life that seeming insignificant. And and the reason I talk about the 500 was 500 plus others the Lord appeared to but there were only about 120 there the day that the Spirit of God was poured out. And so that means only 120 got filled with the Spirit when there could have been, who knows, 600 or more on that day. Why was it, if you have such a big experience... Did it not convert into faithfully being there until God did what He said? Is't that an interesting thought and uh but I think you know sometimes we look at things and we we ask questions or we go or we kind of get miffed about things? you know what that means Pfft, you know nobody's ever had that here, but we know people around us who have done that maybe i've done it when nobody was looking but have you ever thought come on adam and eve you mess this up for all of us have you ever thought man why did the children of israel do the things they did anybody ever thought that why did judas do what he did Somebody said, well, that was God's plan. It wasn't God's plan. Why, why did these things happen? And then we do this. If I was there. If I was there, well, it wouldn't be Adam and Eve. It would be Adam and Connie. I'm trying to think. Don't want to name somebody in here. Adam and Mallory, you know, and they're like, ooh, you know what I mean? In other words, would we have performed better than they did? And so really what we need to realize is is God is doing something now. And on the big days or the small days, something is working. Are you with me? You know, there's a scripture that many people probably are familiar with in Habakkuk, the second chapter. And if you're not how, sure how Habakkuk is pronounced or whatever, maybe I said it right or not. But you read a, a story there in the second chapter and it starts off with, you know, write the vision. You know, the Lord had given a vision to those those uh early disciples, he told all of them, I'm going to pour out my spirit. There is something that's in the works. And uh, for some reason, they got caught up in doing something that, that was non-spiritual. Are you with me? Meaning this, they were told to wait, watch, pray, be there, and so they were to have a, a lifestyle that was supposed to entail certain things, and and some of them uh, didn't. And but if you read Habakkuk, maybe we should just turn there. Uh, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, page eight twenty four. But there's an interesting thought that everything that God says, everything that God promises, uh, you know, if it's a, hey, I'm going to do this, he's going to do it. Now, if it's a qualifying thing like you do this, then I'll do this, that's different. But where he says, I'm just going to do something, man, we need to look at that hard and heavy. Because he said this, actually verse 2 of the second chapter. Then the Lord answered me and said, Habakkuk 2.2, 2, write the vision. We, we could say it like this, whatever God has promised, whatever God has said, whatever God has told me, whatever God has told us, whatever God has truly said, And I would venture to say that if I could sit down with the majority of people without much prodding, without much poking, we would have people saying, uh, God has spoken to me. God has dealt with me. Now, I say that without much poking and prodding, but sometimes some of the things God has spoken to people, people forget. But I would bet with a little bit of reminding, a little bit of poking, you know, that old term poking and prodding, uh, you, you would get a response. You know, that people have had dreams, so to speak. God has dealt with them and people have kind of known things that are supposed to happen and that God would like to happen in them and through them. And so he said this, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Why did the Lord say, Write down what I deal with you about? Now here's the thing, I can tell you, but I bet if you evaluated yourself, you would know why He would deal with you to write certain things down that He's dealing with you about. Because have you ever been dealt with by God about something and went, whoa, my life will be different. The Lord is dealing with me right now. Anybody ever been there? I mean... That was the best message. That was the best worship time. I was driving. The Lord dealt with me, whatever it was. I was in my own prayer time, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, I'm going to quit doing that. That is changing now. Hallelujah. Then all of a sudden, the next day, you did that very thing. Nobody's ever done that. And you went, ah. And then, and you, you know how it is, or at least in my experience I've had this happen in the past, where I'm like, did God really deal with me about that? Was it exactly like that? Anybody ever been there? I know you have. Because that's exactly how the devil dealt with Adam and Eve. Did God really say that to you? There have been areas that I've prayed about that I'm like, God, you need to remind me about that. Are you with me? You know why? Because when I'm out and about, I, I, I need to make sure that's in front of me. And one way he said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Well, that means that there were people back then, several thousand years ago, that had tablets. You know, so there were cell phone companies back then, they had tablets and they would write them out. Isn't the Bible so current? Right. Somebody's like, man, I don't even have a tablet. He said, make it plain on tablets. So you know that some of those tablets have the pen thing. No, what he's talking about is either on a parchment or a literal stone tablet, you know, punch this up and uh, write this thing out. Make sure it's there, you know, Uh, Make sure it's written clear for this very purpose that when you get up from me dealing with you, just like the 500 got up from the Lord dealing with them, we want to run. Not from the Lord, but the path. And I don't know about you, sometimes the path is not always as glamorous as the destination. Do you know what I mean by that? You know, having a garden and growing great watermelons and big zucchini squash and, you know, corn and you, you get all this stuff out of your garden, the path there is not always glamorous. There's manure involved. There's shovels and rakes and weeding and watering and to get to that end result is not always glamorous but how many of us enjoy the end result I mean if you're not sure what a real garden tomato tastes like and you only eat the ones from the grocery store i was going to say shame on you but but i was but really you're missing something you know Tomatoes are not a vegetable, they're actually a fruit. But when you taste the ones from the store, you'd argue, no, this is a vegetable. You eat a real one, and it's like, wow, this tastes real good. But there's a process to get there. And there are some things that would taste real good if we would just work the process to get there. And sometimes in that time of writing the vision down and getting there, Can be different. Everybody can make it. Some won't. And this is what I mean. Some will get there. And they'll look at somebody else. But maybe they shouldn't have been the one looking at the others. Maybe they should have been the one right in the middle. Of having And so he said here, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. What does that mean, run? It means do what it takes in line with what the Lord is dealing with us about. And I know this in my own experience, this scripture has helped me immensely over the years. Some things that have well come to pass and have come to pass a long time ago. And then other things that still haven't come to pass. But I know that there have been times that the Lord was working with me and this right here of writing something down was huge. If you are in a tumultuous time in your life, this is big. If you're doing real well in your life, And starting to get ahead, this is huge. Because sometimes when you're in a hard time, you need clarity to help you stay focused. But you know what else? When you're doing really good and starting to get ahead in life, starting to prosper starting to be able to do some things that you've always wanted to do, this is important. You say, why is that important then? I'm finally able to do whatever I want to do. Because life is not about doing whatever I want to do. Now, I believe the Lord is okay with us doing things, but life is not about just doing what I want to do. In the Old Testament... The Bible said this, uh, God said, I, I'm going to bless you. He didn't say there was any ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm going to start prospering you, and you're going to have some opportunity to have a lot of stuff coming your way. A lot of people right there would go, <laughs> bring it on. But it's interesting, he talked the same way to them. He said, when this begins to happen, don't forget me. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, we just start living our life how we want to live, doing it and go, I remember you, God. I remember you. I've got all this freedom. I've got all this. I remember you. But all of a sudden, really, he's just a remembrance That is where people miss out. Because sometimes people think, well, it's only during the hard time you need to stay focused. But really, it's in the fat times of life, too, we need to stay focused. Because now, I can do everything I want. But here's the thing. I am not alive to do just everything I want. Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. As long as it's 70 degrees is the high. The low is somewhere in the 60s. So this is going to probably be subtropic. I mean, I could handle, I could adjust to some 80s, so Hawaii is in. You know what I mean? But I'll go wherever you want me to go. As long as it's over here. And so when he said write the vision and make it plain. On tablets that he may run who reads it. Then God is saying this. The things I speak to you about and deal with you about. Or have spoken in the word of God about. Are important. And they need pursuit. They need Commitment, He said, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. I, isn't it interesting that what God speaks sometimes is always not just right now? But he said it is for an appointed time. You know, it was an, an appointed time that God was going to pour out His Spirit in, in the book of Acts, and he had spoken and appeared to hundreds of people. Literally, we know one group, like I said, was 500. You would think that within a small period of time, knowing that something is coming to pass, people would use a sense of urgency. Amen? Amen? I mean, I don't know, I know for me anyway, maybe not for everybody, but I wonder if we really think that the Lord is coming soon. I wonder if people, now I'm not saying it about people here, but how people really look at the Lord and His return. Does that really grip anybody? we're like, well, yeah, sure it does. If we knew, did I lose everybody right there? Well, <laughs> it's not to condemn anybody, it's had to help us to realize that when we get near the end, we need to make sure that the vision is written down and uh, that it's written and made plain. And for the purpose of people running. And the vision of God has not changed for the earth to reach people. You know, a lot of the earth has gotten in this self-mode and what's convenient for me. And uh, what do I get out of something instead of, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, our country has dramatically changed. You know, old political themes were things like, don't ask your country what your country can do for you. Anybody remember that? But ask, what can I do for my country? You know how many people say that today? Most people are like, what are you going to do for me? And then I'll give you my vote. But the Bible tells us, Perilous times will come and troublesome times will come upon the earth in the last days because people will be seeking their own. They'll be selfish. You know, the only cure for that troublesomeness is to get people to not be about themselves, but to be about the Lord. There's nobody on that day when we get to heaven is going to go, man, I wish I would have done more for myself. If you want to insulate your kids from a lot of the things that are happening in the world, teach them to serve God and not be about self. Amen? He said, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, verse 3, but at the end it will speak. Well, we would say it like this, it will become apparent, it will be lived out, it will be experienced. And so he said here, it's for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Whatever God has said will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, and it will not tarry. I want to read something here real quick because we just have a little bit of time left. But turn with me to John 16. God is doing things. And, um, you know, there are things that God is about to do. There are things God is trying to do. And there are actually things God is doing. But here is the thought about the vision being in the right place. You know, there are things called a wake-up call. Anybody ever heard of a wake-up call? Do you know... Sometimes people can miss a wake-up call in their life. You know, the world right now doesn't know, but they've been getting wake-up calls constantly. You know, seeing things happen in the Middle East, seeing certain things happen in Israel, seeing all these things that have been written about in the Bible should be a wake-up call. And the world is living like the Lord is not going to come. And He is going to come. How can I get in tune if I don't really know a vision? Have a vision. How can I get in tune with heaven then? The world is not going to teach us how to get in tune with heaven. If there's readily strength and vision and clarity and direction available for every believer so we might be at the right place at the right time, it's going to take having things clear. Are you with me? I had to change my cell phone, and I'm not a real big person for doing that. You know, I've had that big one that's like a brick for till last week. No, not really. But I had one, and it kept cutting out. So when you talk, you hear every other word. That's really good when you're trying to tell somebody a phone number. You know, you can interpret some conversations, but when you're like, here's my email or whatever, and every other word's cutting out, you're not going to have clarity. You're going to have to do something and I mean, they changed my SIM card more than once. They changed the phone more than once. Finally, I'm like, I've had enough. They said, well, there's probably something wrong with that phone, that type of phone. I thought, well, then don't sell it. And it wasn't a dial phone either. It, it was like a real supposedly modern, but it, but it would cut out. Well, my object of getting a different phone was to have better communication. Hopefully communication where I get the whole thing that's being said. What if we're living in a time where God desperately wants people to know what is happening? And what if Some people that have the possibility are not really connecting with eternal things, and then all of a sudden something happens, and they didn't know it was coming. They didn't know it was upon them, or they would have made a different decision. Amen? I mean, how many people, if they knew the stock market was going to collapse tomorrow, and that's not me being prophetic, would pull all their money out? Or, so I'll say it the other way. What if all of a sudden tomorrow the stock market takes a run of 5,000 points across the board? How many of you would be like, What kind of money do I have? Where can I borrow some money? And you just shove it in there for the sake of 5,000 times? Whoo. Right? In other words, that's a huge. I mean, you could go from a thousand year to a millionaire. Somebody said, I didn't know there was such a thing as a thousand ear. I don't know if there is, but you get where I'm coming from. What if the Lord would like you to be able to walk this life and know a lot of stuff? John 16. For the Christian, this is the huge part right here. Not only becoming aware of what God is doing, but then after we become aware, be wise enough to follow His leadings. In other words, when the vision becomes clear, when the direction becomes clear, pay attention to it, and then do what is connected to it. John 16 says this, verse 1, These things I have spoken to you, That you should not be made to stumble. In other words, he didn't want them after he was gone to not be as fruitful, not be as productive. You know, stumble means to stagger along and not really make progress. So he said, I'm saying these things so that you would not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogue. Think about it. They're told, "You guys are going to serve and do this stuff for me." It says, "Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that they offer God's service. What if that the Lord had not communicated that to them? And then all of a sudden they're preaching for Him, and some people come up and go, "Let's kill them!" these heretics they might go, whoa, why are they trying to kill us, Lord? But see, he had warned them so they could be steady. He warned people about financial blessing. What for? So they could be steady to serve him and not leave him when they got blessed. And the list can go on and on. I mean, how many people would you know, witness to somebody if they knew the door was open? What, what if there are people out there that if we were sensitive, God would direct us toward them and we could bring them in? And they were already waiting for somebody. But if I'm not aware of the Holy Spirit's working, I could miss that. Notice this. They will put you out of the synagogue. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think they offer God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes... See, because there is timing and there are things that will come. There are things that God has probably spoken to you about that are good, that are big. And like I said, he does those things for multiple reasons. To help you through a tough time, to let you know what's coming ahead, and the list can go on. But then he said this, But these things, verse 4, I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. In other words, there was still time. Now that I've told you, you're going to start seeing some of this stuff come to pass. He said, verse 5, but now I go away to him... Who sent me. He's telling them stuff. He's telling them all kinds of stuff. That to me. If we read this. We could totally miss it. And go. Yeah that's just Jesus. Telling the the disciples. And us a bunch of stuff. But the context is this. God has a lot of things to talk to us about like he talked to them God wants us to be tuned in to what he's saying and i'm i'm concerned that the body as a whole is not tuned in i think that a lot of people you know in the body of christ are tuned in to their own feelings what makes me feel good? What's gonna, what, what pleasure can I have? And I'm, it's all about my pleasure and my pleasure and my pleasure. And really they're allowing the, the world to br- seemingly bring pleasure to them. And then there's others that are tuned in too much to their mind. And they reason everything out. And they weigh it out in their mind. And if it doesn't go in line with their feelings or reasoning, then that can't be so. I'm concerned that, and and you understand this when I say this, I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about the body as a whole. I'm wondering if the body of Christ is not tuned in as a whole. They're tuned in too much to uh, what's happening in their mind and all the different things of the world and they're tuned into their body, but they're not tuned in to the Holy Spirit. The one who gives the vision. The one who said, write it down. What I'm dealing with you is important. And what happens is, is people that are not tuned in, like my phone cutting out, can miss some very valuable things. And God wants people tuned in. You know, if we're walking or traveling like on a river, when the water is real high, you know, you just kind of go with it. When the water goes down, you have to be careful of submerged rocks, sandbars, different things like that. And if we're in a time where there's hidden things that are just kind of there, that, you know, could smack the bottom of our boat, I mean, who, who would have known, you know, or thought, hey, you know, that the real estate market would have done what it just did recently, and the effects across the board, or inflation. If people knew beforehand, they would have done things a certain way. Isn't that true? Meaning some people would have, have made totally different decisions. I would venture to say there's probably a lot of people in here who kind of known, have known things. But here's the thing. The Lord was not caught off guard by any of that. And there's more to come. Good, bad, and indifferent, pretty, ugly, whatever. God wants you ready. Are you with me? God wants you ready. But you've got to be tuned in. And he's trying to teach them, hey, I'm telling you all these things, but um, there's going to be more you're going to need to know. Notice this. But now, verse 5, I go away to him who sent me, And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. In other words, even though you're all emotional and you got problems right now, and you guys are all upset, because see, they were all upset. They were all emotionally in upheaval. You ever come into a tough time and your emotions start going, hey, God still has something to say. And he did that right here. He said, nevertheless, I need to talk to you and I'm going to tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. In other words, here's this big change and he said it's to your advantage and they're thinking, no, it's not. This is not fun. And he's telling them a truth. He, he's not lying. Remember, he said the vision will happen and it will not lie. And he said, I'm sending somebody else to you, a helper. And when they come, uh, you know, after I depart, I will send them to you, verse 8. And when he has come, he will convict the world. And it starts saying these different things that the Holy Spirit will do. But if you notice, skip down to verse 13. However, when he, the Spirit of truth who's called the helper or the comforter, how is God, the Holy Spirit, going to help you? He's going to comfort, but He's going to tell you stuff. Notice this. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, or, in other words, He won't just say what He wants to say, but whatever He hears... He will speak. And he will tell or show you things to come. He said, He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. We know here in this context, he said, there's many things I have to say to you. Do you know after he left, he said, I got a lot more to say. Do you know God has a lot more to say to you? But see, if I'm body conscious more than spirit conscious, I'm going to be looking in the wrong place. And the one who gives clear direction and sees everything and knows everything wants to communicate with you, but it's not going to be through your mind. But should you do something with your mind? Yes. But every believer in these days needs to become more spirit conscious. Why? Because the Holy Spirit takes the place of Jesus and He wants to deal with you. I have to tune in. I have to realize way down inside of me, beyond my mind and beyond my body, if I will take the time and start spending time with God, and here's a way to become spirit conscious. Start thinking. It's not about my feelings. Start thinking it's not about reasonings. Man, you could be heading down the right path and your mind can be going off. And I mean not in a good way. And that doesn't mean you're not going down the right path. Sometimes it's because you're going down the right path, there's an assault. Back up, slow down, quit that. But when you become spirit conscious, you can just go beyond those things, and God will direct you. Amen? I guarantee you this. Everything that the Lord spoke to them in that little setting... He said, I still have more things to say to you, but when He, the Holy Spirit, has come, He will guide you into all truth. He had many things to say. He's got many things to deal with you about. And it's not all about one thing. It's about all kinds of things. We need clarity in these days. Is everybody okay? Okay. And clarity is going to come when you will spend some time with the Lord. We don't pray to the Holy Spirit. Because if you notice, he doesn't even speak what he wants to. He only speaks what he hears from the Lord. So we talk to the Lord. But we become Holy Spirit conscious where we recognize he indwells us as believers. And he's not going to just speak to you with a voice, but he's going to deal with you. And one way, not the only way, we are going to get sensitized is getting together. And when we start worshiping, we all get in. And when we all get to hear the word, we listen intently. And then we pay attention when he does deal with us on our own. And we do whatever it takes to obey that. Why? Because we're going to navigate this life successfully. And there are things He's spoken to you that He intends on making good. Amen? Or having happen in your life. I'm convinced of this. There's a lot of little things that would be huge to you that He would like to talk to you about. That would not be weird and not be woe. I mean, I've had the Lord deal with me about different things where He's dealt with me to go somewhere or to talk to someone and the person was totally open and God moves supernaturally. I'm reluctant to say that about me because I know He'll do it to you. I don't want you to think, oh, that's you. There's a lot of things He would like to do. Sometimes He'll call you to prayer. Call you to read the Bible. You know, that little prompting is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And you know, he may just get you to go in there so you can read, and all of a sudden you come across some scripture that you go, wow, that's incredible. Huh, okay, close it up. And then all of a sudden somebody calls you on the phone, or talks to you, run into him the next day, and you go ahead and you start talking to them, And all of a sudden they tell you something, and that very verse, because you took the time, you had gathered something fresh, and it became a miracle for somebody else. That stuff's real. Amen? And there's tons more where that comes from. And anybody who would avail themselves, man.